Welcome to the house. We hope this podcast blesses you and encourages you. Enjoy. Jesus, I praise you in your name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, let's get started. I titled this, What Does It Take to Win? Now, for those of you who know me and um, those of you who don't, you're going to get to learn this about me. I love sports. It's one of my favorite things. I love playing sports. I love watching sports. So um, I was watching the Super Bowl and I saw Tom Brady win his seventh Super Bowl ring. Now, this dude, I think is like... 140 years old now he's been around forever but but i i mean i remember him from back when he uh he beat my raiders back in i think 2001 or 2002 and the raiders haven't been the same um so i was watching and went so i'm not a huge fan of tom brady but it made me think about all the champions and winners in different types of sports and um that i have been a fan of it made me think of what the process of um, what it takes, what the what their process is to be a winner and to stay a winner and become a champion. It made me think about um, what makes them stand out other than the hundreds and thousands of millions of other people that play the same sports as them. Like I played basketball, but never got that good, you know. So let's take my favorite basketball player, for example, uh, Kobe Bryant. This is my favorite basketball player of all time. Now, Kobe was a good athlete. He was actually like a great athlete when he came into the NBA, but he wasn't anything special right off the bat. Um, actually, there was, I think, 12 other people that were drafted in the NBA draft in front of him. So 12 other thing, teams thought that they had better people than Kobe Bryant before this dude got drafted. And he didn't even get drafted by the Lakers. He got drafted by another team that got traded on draft day. Um, if you actually go back and look at Kobe's YouTube videos, I think from his first or second year, he actually was like super clumsy. He airballed a lot of shots. He was inconsistent. And uh, he just wasn't that, you know, that great right off the bat. But the thing that separated Kobe from the rest of his peers was his sheer deter determination to become a champion and his work ethic. The dude came to practice hours before anybody else and left hours after everybody else. He even practiced before games and then he would play an entire NBA game. And then like once everybody left the gym, he would go back out and get shots up and practice. Like that's an insane, insane amount of determination. So here's what happened to Kobe. Kobe got really, really good, but he needed to learn how to play with his teammate Shaq. So once they learned how to play together, Shaq and Kobe won three straight championships together. That's a, that's a big feature to have, to win three straight championships. So why did this stop? Why did their championship run stop? And I'm glad you guys are asking these questions. Their championship run starts, this is, a, this is interactive, I like this. It stopped because pride got in the way of two of them. So the two best players had huge egos. They had huge amount of pride and it made them part ways. So Shaq left and Kobe stayed. Now, Kobe didn't win another championship for another eight years. 
So though as a Laker fan, it was tough for eight years for us because you see Kobe doing great, putting up great numbers, you know, scoring a bunch of points, leading the league in points per game and all these different things. He was going crazy. He scored 81 points in a game, but he wasn't winning as a team. They weren't winning anything, right? So the moment Kobe had this realization of how to actually lead, he learned how to be a good team player. And he learned how to lead from a place of trust and care and not from pride. They started winning again, right? He learned to be patient, not just with himself, but with the process that his teammates needed to get better as his teammates, as a team. So he already had everything else that he needed to win. He just needed to this this little little bit left the care and the love and the patience and the process of the team to win it all again. And he did. This is just one of many, many different examples of different players and athletes and even people uh, that are winners and champions. So what do all these people have in common? Again, I'm glad you guys are asking these questions. God, you're making my job a lot easier. <laughs> Let me say something before we jump into this. There have been a lot of people that have been amazing athletes or amazing people at what they do, but they've never won at all. They've never won a championship. A lot of different athletes, if you ask any sport fans, like a once a couple of people that you can name that were amazing at what they did and never won, they can name you like a list full of people. Uh, some of these people lack just one of many different qualities that we're about to dive into right now that stopped them from winning at all. All right. Look, we all get taught to call ourselves winners, champs that were victorious all the time. I mean, we get taught by Chip to do it like almost every Wednesday. And I love it because I'm catching on to it. You know, I'll wake up and I look myself in the mirror and I'll be like, yo, Daniel, you're a champ. dude. You're victorious. You're a child of God. You can do anything. I even call other people champs. You know, I hear it all the time in the in the church world. People saying as God's creations, we are victorious. We are champions. We're on the winning team. But what does it take to be a winner? Great question, guys. Let, let's take Samson. I can hear my wife laughing in the other room. Let's take Samson as an example. Samson from the Bible. He was a Nazarite champion. Samson's powers were given to him by God from an oath that he made with God. And we're going to jump into that in just a second. An oath is a promise that he made to God. The Bible says that Samson was absolutely unstoppable. He was a beast. The dude was like Philistine's worst nightmare. Like the, this guy would kick like 20, 30 of their butts at the same time and then have a care in the world. He was really strong. So the Philistines were always trying to figure out Samson's weakness. They were always trying to figure out how to beat this dude, how to defeat him. The Bible also talks about how Samson was a very violent and a, uh, a prideful dude. As So the promise that he made to God as a Nazarite, there is a set of rules that you're supposed to follow, like never drinking an alcoholic beverage or never cutting your hair. Um, according to the Bible, your locks, you're never supposed to cut those or going near anything unclean like a dead body or a corpse or anything like that right but samson ignored a lot of these rules 
for example, in Judges 14.9, it talks about how Samson was walking by a lion's carcass and this a lion's dead body. And this is a lion Samson actually slayed prior to this. Uh, so he killed the lion and when he walked back by it again, there was like bees all around it and a honeycomb inside the lion. So he was like, you know what? I, I killed this thing, so I might as well eat the honey too. So he goes into the lion's carcass and scoops out some honey and eats it. But he doesn't stop right there. He takes some to his parents and he doesn't tell his parents he got it from a dead lion, dead by lion's body because as an as right, they wouldn't have ate it. So he doesn't tell them. So they eat it too. So um, he also falls in love or I don't know if I should say in love. He starts liking this prostitute as you guys, most of them, most of you Bible readers know her name, Delilah. And Delilah was a Philistine. Uh, so when the Philistines found out that Delilah and Samson were, you know, schmoozing, they, they decided to go and bribe Delilah and pressure her into finding out what Samson's weaknesses were so they can defeat him. Delilah takes the bribe and manipulates Samson into telling him, telling her the answer. So Samson tells her that his strength comes from his hair. So what does Delilah do naturally? As a manipulator, Delilah goes and cuts his hair off. Samson's powers go away and the Philistines were able to take him captive. Now, this is the short version of the story and there's some that goes afterwards, but that's for another time. See, what happened to Samson is simple. He took the power that God had given him from the oath that he made with God for granted. A lot of times we do this in our daily lives. God gives us something and we just take it for granted because it's just working for us, you know? so. Why pay any, pay any attention to it? He disobeyed the rules and got too comfortable in his own temptations. And we all have something that tempts us in one way or another that knocks us off track sometimes. But remember, never get too comfortable with it because that could be our demise. It's easy to say that we're winners. It's really easy to say it. But what does it mean to apply a winning mentality to our daily lives and keep it that way? You guys are full of great questions. I just got to say that. This is fantastic for me. So, I, so to answer your questions, I made a list of things that I believe it takes to keep a winning mentality. So if you guys want to write it down or just remember it, it's up to you. Let's dive right into it. Number one, work diligently on whatever it is that you're doing. So whatever it is that you're doing, even if it's um, something small, even if it's a hobby, take your time to do it right or don't do it at all, right? Why even waste your time doing it? Proverbs 12, 12, 24 says, the hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Look, the way that it was taught to me when I was just a new believer, that still sticks to me this day, um, at least I try to keep reminding myself as much as I can, is if, if, if I'm just doing my daily activities or chores or whatever the mind-numbing mundane activities that i do like in the daytime if i'm doing that with jesus standing right next to me watching how would i do it how would you do it you'd probably do it pretty well right because jesus is standing right next to you do the same thing like with everything that you do in life or don't do it at all like do what you do and let what you do glorify god not yourself or any other person 
And I guarantee you'll be, and, and if you can't glorify God, then don't do it. It's probably a good indication that you shouldn't be doing that. Colossians 3.17 says, do whatever you do in word or deed. Do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Number two, stop complaining. I want you to do something. I want you to look at the box next to you or below you or above you, wherever you're at, and tell them, stop complaining. Stop complaining. Thank you. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. This step is very simple. The difference between winners and losers is the mindset of complaining or finding solutions. So always just remember this, keep moving. It doesn't matter where you're at with it. Just continue to move. And it's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be upset that things aren't working right now. But if you continue to move forward and you continue to seek solutions, you would find solutions. So remember, stop complaining. Number three, find a good team. Find a good community to be a part of because a good community can do a lot for you. A good community can help you heal. A good community can help you grow. A good community can help position you to win. Finding a good community is a key to a lot of us. We're not meant to do this alone at all. All right. Number four. Stay focused and don't get distracted because distractions can be small but they can be deadly to a goal. Uh, it, it That is, I know I wrote this, but that speaks to me right there. <laughs> Learn how to identify your distractions, even if they're small or they're big. Learn how to identify them so you can be more effective to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. If you know what distracts you, you can stay away from it and you can focus more on your goal. So don't lose your focus and don't get distracted. Number five. Be patient with the process. I feel like Danny has drilled this into my mind and everybody that he knows. <laughs> but be patient with your process because most of the time, things that we want to achieve won't happen overnight. It just That's just the reality of it. Or changes that we want to make to our character or the growth that we want to have. It's not going to happen overnight. Listen, I'm going to say this part slow because I want you guys all to pay attention to this. We can't give up when we don't see the results immediately. That's that's like I had to keep and I still have to keep repeating this to myself every day when I'm going through things like I can't give up on it because I don't see the results that I want to see that day or the next day. So remember, be patient with the process. Number six, don't listen to the outside noise. So since we were talking about sports, let's go back to sports real quick. Every time a great athlete messes up or loses or something happens to him, there is an entire world of sport analysis. And these guys get paid real money. They get paid real money to talk smack about things that they have never done before themselves. Like, this is a real job, guys. Like, I'm not even kidding. They get, like, Danny knows what I'm talking about. We both watched this show called um, First Take with Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman. And these guys go on at 1 p.m., I think, Eastern time, every single day. And they talk about boxing, baseball, basketball, uh, football, 
European soccer, even though they're American sports analysis, like these guys never played European soccer. They're in America. Um, and they get paid to talk smack about these guys or what they feel like is going to happen or how they feel about these guys messing up and if their career is coming to an end or whatever it is and blah, 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 blah. Um, these people actually exist in our daily lives, believe it or not. I know you guys might know a few of them in your lives. Hopefully you can identify them after this. These are people that have nothing to do with our lives or part of anything that we're trying to accomplish, but they will always put their two cents in, in anything it is that we're trying to accomplish. It won't fail. And it's usually in a negative connotation. Like um, they'll come up to you and be like, oh man, that's way too much to do, dude. Like you don't want to do all that. It's way too much work. Or they'll come up to you and be like, you won't be able to do that. You know how hard that is to do and try to kind of, press whatever motivation you had down or this is one of my favorite right here they'll come up to you and be like oh dude i know somebody would try to do something like that one time and it just didn't go well for them so i don't think you should try it you know or, or whatever it is that they feel like they have to say in the moment if we listen to these people that don't believe in what we're trying to accomplish we're always going to be stopped short from our goal or any dream that we have regardless if it's small or a big goal <clears throat> the Bible talks about Apostle Paul. Now, Apostle Paul's ship crashed in, um, on an island or into an island, and they got stuck on that island. Now, there was people that lived on the island as well. So, my dude, Apostle Paul, is doing his thing, you know, going around, gathering wood, getting his things done, and he's trying to make fire. So, as he's grabbing wood, the snake comes out of nowhere and bits the dude on the hand. Now, the people that lived on the island immediately panic, like in their minds. And they're like, oh no, this is a bad omen. This means that this is a murderer. This means that this dude is this and he's that and blah, 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 blah. He's gonna die. What does Apostle Paul do? Pays no attention to them. He literally just shakes the snake off and continues, you know, making fire, probably made some s'mores, made some steaks and did his thing. You know, he ate, the dude likes to eat, but these guys in the background decided to just stay and see what happens to him. So they stay and observe what happens to Apostle Paul. And if he was going to swell up and die or if uh, something, you know, an effect of the bad omen that they, they believed in was going to happen. Nothing happened to him. So all of a sudden, the same people that thought Apostle Paul had a bad omen against him now thought he was a god because nothing happened to Apostle Paul. Look, I, I say this story because I want you guys to understand this. These same people is, exist in our daily lives. There is people that are non... Now, Apostle Paul, let me tell you this. Apostle Paul is a dude that was a believer. Like, this dude spent one-on-one -on -one time with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He spent one-on-one -on -one time with Jesus. And he knew what was up. He was he was strong in his faith. People were, that were non-believers were watching a believer at work in a time where they would have panicked but the believer did not panic, right? A lot of times where we feel like nobody's watching us, there's people watching us that don't believe in Jesus, that don't believe in God. And they watch our reaction. They watch our response. They look and see like, all right, you say you're a believer. Let's see how you react. When, let's see how it goes for you. And when they see your response rather than reaction to a situation, that can help build their faith. 
So your testimony can be a living testimony. It doesn't just have to be words. It's your actions that can speak to people. So if you have faith, don't listen to naysayers because there's always going to be people that are going to tell you that's not going to work. That's not going to happen. This and that, blah, blah, blah. Don't listen to that because if you believe, then if you have faith, faith is something that you can't see with your eyes. Faith is something that we have that we know it's in the work for us, that it's going to happen if it's in God's plans. And it's not something that the naked eye can see. So an unbeliever will not have the same faith as you, right? All right, last point here, I promise. So I believe this is number seven. Since we're still talking about sports in a sense, we, you know, we jump from Bible story, Bible story, but, and, you know, basis of it is a sports thing. Every sports season also has an off season. Now, this is an important one. I want you guys to write off season down for yourself. Same thing goes in our lives. We all have off seasons, but off seasons can happen in different ways. There's different types of off seasons for all of us. An off season can be a season where you take off on purpose. It's a season where you rest and prepare your mind, body, and spirit for the next season. An off season can be a season where, um, what was I? It can be a season where you adjust, maneuver, or you change your situation or uh, place, people or things that you hang around with to grow better as a person. Or off season can just simply mean that you're having an off season. It's just a tough, tough season. And that is okay to have. I want you to understand that it's okay to have a tough season. We all have tough seasons. Look, every single person that has spoken on this um, amazing platform that we have here has explained that they've had off seasons, that they've had tough seasons. It's okay. It's a normal part of our, our lives. But we also got to remember to stay strong during those seasons and remember that that season will also pass because win or lose, when the next season comes around, you and I and every single person will have a brand new chance at winning again.